again, and welcome to my podcast, A Guide to Better Women's Health. I'm Dr. Costa Susu. In this episode of my podcast, I'd like to devote to abnormal bleeding. I will discuss what abnormal bleeding is, what causes it, and how it is managed. Before I start, I'd like to review some basic facts about the menstrual cycle. A normal menstrual cycle is one where the length from one period to the next period is typically between 21 and 35 days, and a normal menstrual period generally lasts up to 7 days. So an abnormal menstrual cycle or abnormal bleeding then is anything that deviates from the above-mentioned fact. For example, bleeding or spotting between periods, bleeding or spotting after sex, heavy bleeding during the period where it lasts beyond seven days, or it is extremely heavy where you soak through one or more tampons or pads every hour. There's also changes in the menstrual cycle where the cycles are either longer than 35 days or even shorter than 21 days. There are irregular periods in which the cycle length varies by more than seven to nine days. And of course, not having a period for three to six months or longer. And lastly, there is bleeding after menopause. There are two ways that abnormal bleeding can be classified. There is classification of it being known as chronic, where it's been going on for at least six months. And it could also be referred to as acute, where it is a sudden, unusual episode of abnormal uterine bleeding. Now, at what age is abnormal bleeding more likely to happen? Well, it appears that abnormal bleeding can occur at any age group. In fact, they can be normally irregular when a young girl first starts having periods between the ages of 9 to the age of 14. And during the perimenopause years around age 50, when menopause has not quite set in, the number of days between periods may also change. In fact, it can be very common to skip periods or even bleeding to get lighter or heavier at this time of your life. This next part, I'd like to discuss the possible causes of abnormal bleeding. One cause could be uterine polyps. These are fleshy, non-cancerous growths. Another could be cervical polyps. Another could be uterine fibroids, which are non-cancerous growths that form from the muscle tissue of the uterus. Adenomyoses is the lining of the uterus growing into the wall of the uterus. and This too can cause heavy bleeding as well as pain. There are bleeding disorders where a disease occurs that prevents you from having normal clotting. There are medications that can cause abnormal bleeding such as birth control pills as well as the copper IUD. And of course ovulation dysfunction where you have the inability to ovulate regularly. This results in too much estrogen circulating around that can lead to irregular heavy bleeding or no periods at all for an extended period of time. And this can be caused by polycystic ovarian syndrome. There are thyroid diseases where you either have an underactive or an overactive thyroid gland, and of course, uterine cancer or hyperplasia. Hyperplasia is abnormal overgrowth of the lining of the uterus. There is cervical disease. Cervix, of course, is the opening of the uterus, 
And that cervical disease could be due to either an infection or precancerous or cancerous lesions of the cervix. And this can especially show up as bleeding after sexual intercourse. There is endometriosis, where the lining of the uterus is found elsewhere in the pelvic area. And I will devote a podcast to endometriosis and another podcast to uterine fibroids in upcoming podcasts. There is pregnancy-related issues such as early normal bleeding in pregnancy, a miscarriage, or an ectopic pregnancy where the pregnancy is outside of the uterus, and there's cervical infection such as a chlamydial infection. Now, abnormal bleeding can be diagnosed initially by a very thorough history. It is extremely important to evaluate what the cause of the bleeding is. It can determine possibly that it could be related to a family history of bleeding disorders. It could be related to the medications the patient is on, changes in her weight, or it could be due to pregnancy history. A full physical examination, including a pelvic examination to evaluate for both cervical disease, cervical polyps, cervical infections, as well as an enlargement of the uterus that may possibly indicate fibroids. The tests that are generally ordered as part of the workup of abnormal bleeding include a complete blood count, or CBC, to make sure that you're not anemic, but also assure that your clotting factors are normal. A pregnancy test to rule out pregnancy, a thyroid level, Chlamydia tests to rule out cervical infection, verifying that the pap smears are up to date and have been normal, and doing one if it has not been done in quite some time, and a pelvic ultrasound to rule out fibroids, adenomyoses, as well as polyps, an endometrial biopsy to sample the lining of the uterus to rule out abnormal overcrowding of cells or uterine cancer. Now, generally, an endometrial biopsy is performed in those over the age of 45 with abnormal uterine bleeding or under the age of 45 if the feeling is that she has too much estrogen, such as, for example, in somebody who is obese or thought to have polycystic ovarian disease. The next part of this discussion is going to be to review the management options of abnormal uterine bleeding. This will depend on the cause of the bleeding. For example, If the bleeding cause happens to be related to a bleeding disorder, then you do need a referral to a hematologist, which is a blood specialist. If it is from a miscarriage and that's been verified by blood test as well as ultrasound, then it can be managed by medication or a DNC. And if it is due to cervical infection, then it can be managed with antibiotics. Hormonal therapy is generally very effective in managing those who have abnormal uterine bleeding from problems relating to ovulation, such as polycystic ovarian syndrome. But it can also help with those who have fibroids as well as adenomyosis. You can be treated with a combined birth control pill that has estrogen and progestin that can regulate your periods as well as make them lighter. Now, this can be taken cyclically, meaning that there is a pill-free week whereby you will have your menstrual bleeding, or you can take them continuously that will stop you from having periods altogether. There are progestin-only products that come in pills, injections such as the Depo-Provera, 
the hormonal IED like the Mirena IED or the implants like the Nexplanon. Both the Mirena IED and the Depo-Provera may stop the periods altogether after one year of use. Now, hormonal therapy can also be effective in managing abnormal uterine bleeding in the perimenopausal patient as long as you've already verified by an endometrial biopsy that she does not have uterine cancer. They also help with other symptoms of perimenopause, including night sweats, hot flashes, as well as vaginal dryness. Though you should know that there are risks with taking hormonal therapy, including heart attacks, cancer, as well as strokes. Last medication I'd like, or the next medication I should say I'd like to talk about is the gonadotropin-releasing hormone agonist. Now these drugs stop the menstrual bleeding and they do shrink the size of the fibroids and they're given in patients who have fibroids because they're given for a short period of time and usually it's given only up to six months. Now they are utilized to shrink the fibroids in preparation for an upcoming surgery. Once you do stop them, the fibroids will return to their original size. There are transexamic acid or TXA medication, which is a drug that, be, that can be given orally or by intravenous to control bleeding. And of course, lastly, there are the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs such as ibuprofen that can also control bleeding as well as relieve cramps. The surgeries that potentially can be utilized for managing abnormal bleeding are reserved if the medications have been tried and were not found to be effective. One such surgery would be an endometrial ablation. It is to burn or destroy the lining of the uterus, which does reduce or even stop the total amount of bleeding. Remember that this procedure is done as long is done and pregnancy is not likely to happen, and if it does happen, there are plenty of serious risks, including life-threatening bleeding, that can occur. So if you have not completed your childbearing, then this is not a good option for you. But if you have completed your childbearing, it is a good option for you. However, you do need to use some form of birth control until menopause. A tubal sterilization may be a good option to prevent pregnancy, in those who do get an ablation. Managing fibroids can include uterine artery embolization. The blood vessels to the uterine fibroids are blocked, thereby stopping the blood flow that allows the fibroids to grow, hence causing the fibroids to shrink. There is a myomectomy, which is a surgery that will remove the fibroids only, but not the uterus. This is reserved for those who have not completed childbearing. The drawback is that, of course, the fibroids may regrow. There is a hysterectomy, which is the removal of the uterus and the cervix, and this is reserved for those who have fibroids, adenomyosis, and have completed childbearing, and, of course, also for those who have tried medications and have failed. It also is the treatment for uterine cancer as well. It can be done vaginally, it can be done through an incision in the abdomen. It can be done laparoscopically, but it will depend on the size of the uterus as well as the expertise of the gynecologist. So this concludes this week's podcast on abnormal uterine bleeding. 
if you should experience any form of abnormal uterine bleeding, regardless of your age, you should consult your provider. In my next podcast, I will discuss birth control options. Until then, I'd like to once again provide you with my email address. It is chsconsulting22 at gmail.com. For any questions relating to past podcasts or any OBGYN-related questions that you would like me to answer at an upcoming podcast. Until then, I will see you next time. Goodbye.